This is Unresearched, the Dispatches from the Adventure podcast, with your host, Dr. Joe Anderson. I just watched what I'm presuming is the last episode of season two of Creepshow. It was called Late Show of the Dead, and it was about a guy who creates a machine, a virtual reality machine, where he can go into his favorite films. And, and immerse himself in that world. And the reason why I'm taking this note is because this, this episode of this show and a few others like it, a few other examples of narrative like it, I think that they are significant in that they stand as a conceptual endpoint in the project of verisimilitude. So um, this one, the last action hero, um, and other and other examples of narrative. There's an amazing stories episode, I think, and other examples of narrative where a person is is enabled empowered to enter not just any narrative, but their favorite narratives, right? Um, With this one, this guy only went into one film. Um, I think it was called like Train of Terror or something like that, or Train of Horror. And it was a Christopher Lee Peter Cushing movie. And, and he experienced that movie and he did the things in that movie that he wanted to do. Well, and, and, and to a degree, right, even though it was a horror story and there was eventually like a, a, a down ending, um, he was empowered, right, within that narrative. And I think that that's what it's about. Um, it's not necessarily a, a singular path that media is taking toward verisimilitude, but that is definitely a strong path toward, toward verisimilitude of engagement. That's, I think, an important distinction because Star Trek also, with the holodeck, provided technology whereby the characters of those shows could enter their favorite narratives. This is where we're getting into a kind of indirect metacognition. Metacognition in its pure form is, by my reckoning, explicit, but a lot of identify as metacognitive is a, li- is a little bit too oblique. And, and in fact, in fact, I think that this episode of this show and most of the rest that I've identified are also too oblique to be considered directly metacognitive. In order to be directly metacognitive, outermost frame, right? Because what you end up with is essentially sort of frame stories in a sense, right? It's it's the adventures of this person within a narrative realm and then also outside of their own natural realm, which is still fictional, but 
truly metacognitive, the outermost frame would have to then explicitly, genuinely, unambiguously identify itself as the narrative, would have to admit to itself that it is fictional. And that's usually only done humorously. What these narratives do instead is they have metacognitive elements and themes in that a fictional realm is being treated as real within another fictional realm, but it's all kind of hermetically sealed within that larger fiction, right? There's, there's no point in this episode that I just watched at which Justin Long turns to the camera and says, hey, I know this is a story, right? And, and the reason why not is because there seems to be a hard barrier between narrative and reality through which storytellers just don't tend to function. That's not to say that there aren't inventive and practically useful to the plot ways that storytellers might actually admit the fictionality of a narrative realm and then somehow use the admittance of that fictionality as a way to make their narrative work. Cool World actually just pops into my brain as another example, but that one might be a little bit weird in that, well, it's more of a many worlds theory. Cool World frame story isn't really so much of a frame so much as it's when they go to Cool World, I think they're just in another place, right? It's, it's the many worlds theory. And in, in this particular instance, it's um, that there's a world that is physically consistent with ours, but then there's also some other realm that's animated. But I think that despite that seemingly hard barrier that content creators don't tend to want to mess with, technologists are definitely messing with it. And video game developers make a job of messing with it by making their worlds interactable, right? Anything, now that, that, hmm, that prompts me to say something that I'm not, that I'm not sure is true, but I'm going to, I'm going to state it and then maybe think about it. So any way that our own physical realm is allowed or enabled to engage with and affect the story does that constitute a metacognitive narrative? I'm, I'm not sure because there's still there's still the the coding that the player wears of a character in the story, right? The the other characters are interacting with the player, but they're not interacting with the player as who that person is in this world, our own world, their own life, their own life. Um, they are interacting with the player as that said. It could be that the coding, the barrier between reality and that narrative realm is still maybe thinned a bit in that 
the behaviors that the real-world player, the user, is exhibiting can be directly commented on by that world. So, for instance, um, in Left 4 Dead, which I've been playing a lot of lately, if you go around shooting the other survivors, they will tell you that's a bad thing. They will comment on your behavior. We want that. Right? We want that barrier to, to, to be maintained, um, I, think, I think by and large, mostly, right? I think one of the things we can ask in any given instance of the fantasy of entering our favorite fictions is, how would we do it? Let's call it the quantum leap question. Because when Sam Beckett leaped back in time, he leaped into the presences of others. They became his avatar. Except for the last leap. In the last leap, he leapt as himself. And there's a constitutive, I think, difference. Because if you if you take on the role of a character in your favorite narrative, then you are functioning within the story, right? And you have the opportunity to function the way that character would normally function, do all the things they would normally do. You can mess with that. But if you mess with it, you mess with it in a way that those characters are still seeing you as that character. On the other hand, you can enter that story as yourself, right? And... That's actually what happens with Last Action Hero, and it happens with um, with this thing I watched on Creepshow. I'll give you an example of the other one, the one I just talked about, though, is uh, there's an episode of, not She Wolf of London, but Love and Curses, with the, the haunted theater, and they enter a film as characters in the film, right? And so they're recognized and engaged with in the film as characters that are native to it, even though they end up doing different things from what those characters would have done. If you enter it as yourself, right, I think there is a certain degree of empowerment that goes along with that. Because why are you entering it as yourself? One of the reasons that you might be, and the reason that kind of leaps to mind really quickly to me, is so that you can play the hero by solving problems like quickly that take the whole length of the movie for or, or the characters who are, are, are actually in the story because you have certain knowledge and i was thinking about like if i was going to enter a movie i would enter as myself and i would go into fright night because it's my favorite movie and and it's also easy to deal with right way easier to deal with than like blade runner with fright night there's a few characters there's a few locations they're all relatively close to one another and having seen that film enough, I can tell you what any given character is very likely doing, even if they're not on screen at the time. And so I have a certain map-like knowledge of that film that if I wanted to, like if I had the opportunity to go into that film and just be myself, I could tell certain characters what to do. I could do whatever, whatever, and have the whole thing wrapped up in like 15 minutes. 
Another reason that I might go into any narrative is to present those characters with the fact that they are fictional just to see what they do. Present them with unequivocal knowledge that they are fictional. Those both seem like naturally occurring motives in that situation. Because the thing is, that's what verisimilitude of narrative can offer us. A certain, a certain situational empowerment, that's what, that's what video games do. That's what first-person shooters do. In, in a game like Left 4 Dead or Doom, for all of the non-player characters in the game, every single time that game goes through, every time you play that game, right, every time it runs, that is the first time that those events have happened for those characters. It's not just that it's a unique instance every time because of the interaction of the, of the player. It's as though you're reading a book and you can read it a million times, but for the characters themselves, it's always the first time. So the player or user or engager, their empowerment stems from the fact that for them, it's not necessarily new. That player may have played that level a lot, <laughs> right? Um, that, that user, that engager, may have engaged with that narrative many, many times. And in doing so, when they, when they enter that narrative, they become the most empowered figure in that narrative. Not just because they have a volition that all the other figures there lack, but because they have a certain knowledge. Let's kind of identify that for what it is then. Let's identify the experience of the narrative in that way. So, so we're talking about being able to enter the narrative realm, whether as a character or oneself, I, I think is, is immaterial to this particular line of thought. You're able to enter a certain narrative. The first time that you go through it. Let's say it's let's say it's one that you've never experienced in any other way before. The first time you go through it, you have the advantage, the single advantage of being the most volitional figure in that narrative realm. Everybody else around you is programmed to do certain things. If we're talking about characters in a game or in a presented narrative where there is a plot, if we're talking about some sort of sandbox situation, that's different. But in that first run through, and that's so, we're, and because again, we're identifying it as a narrative. So if there is a narrative, then those characters have purposes. And so with the first run through of that narrative, you are the most volitional person, most volitional figure in that narrative space. But every time after that, there is a second empowerment 
and that you are familiar and become more and more familiar with the various points in that narrative, points of that environment, those characters, that world. So that when you are running through that narrative at time 100, there's more potential there. There's more effective potential to command the events of that world in the ways that you want them to be commanded. Presuming, of course, that your own actions are allowed to alter the events of that realm, which is itself kind of a certain threshold, a certain function that's either turned on or turned off. So I feel like there's more here, but I'm going to go ahead and stop for now.